Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Country Heat Weekly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Then I had it in my head that the record was going to be titled Northwest. And when I would say that to people, they would say, well, you know, that's Kim and Kanye's oldest child, right? Oh, my goodness. Welcome to Country Heat Weekly. We are the destination for all country music fans. I'm Kelly Sutton. And I'm Amber Anderson. And we welcome all country music fans here, whether you're celebrating Pride Month, Black Music Appreciation Month, or you're just a fan of country music, this is the place for you. Yeah, we say that we're building a bigger table and that all people are welcome. So pull up a chair because we have an amazing episode lined up for you today. Our center stage guest is Washington State native Brandy Clark, who is an eight-time Grammy nominee, mm-hmm. a CMA award winner, and currently she's in Tony contention. She's kind of a big deal right now. <laughs> she is. So Brandy and my boss, Shane McAnally, are the co-creators of the new Broadway musical, Shucked, who Kelly and I and the entire country music world is obsessed with right obsessed, now. Yeah. And obsessed might be an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> but nine Tony nominations. Yeah. And one of them's got Brandy's name on it for Best Musical Score. As a songwriter, she's given us hits like Mama's Broken Heart, Better Dig 2, Follow Your Arrow. And she's also had her songs recorded by everybody from Reba to Terry Clark to the Oak Ridge Boys to Darius Carly Pierce, and Haley Witters. Everyone. Yes. <laughs> Everyone. And she was a part of the songwriting team that locked themselves away in a cabin and came out with the Ashley McBride Presents Lindyville album, which, oh my gosh, talk about being obsessed again. Right. right? Incredible. <laughs> I wish we could do like a six-hour podcast because there's really no way that we can get to everything Brandy has done in this town. And I mean, we haven't even touched on her artist career. So she's released four studio albums already. Her debut album, 12 Stories, is one that you definitely need to look up if you haven't. It is a masterpiece. In fact, go ahead and just add Rediscover Brandy Clark playlist to your library on Amazon Music, and you can thank us later. The song Stripes is my favorite. Yes. So good. But she's got new music to talk about today. Ten years after her debut album came out, she just released her fourth album, which is self-titled. Which I think is so odd when you've had four albums, it's right. the fourth one yes. that's self-titled. <laughs> so Brandy is an out gay woman, and we're going to talk about what that journey was like for her, who supported her along the way, as well as what she thinks we as a country music community can do better. And I love that we can have those types of conversations here on this podcast. It's very important. But before we get to that. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. 
There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We need to make sure that everybody is ready for CMA Fest. So soon. It's happening June 8th through the 11th here in Nashville. It's country music's biggest party, and we have the party plans. Yes, we do. Lots of plans. We're going to be taping three episodes of Country Heat Weekly live with all of you. So if you're watching, if you're listening to us, come on up to the CMA close-up stage. It is going to be so much fun. Thursday, we're talking to Jelly Roll, who's one of our favorite humans on the planet. Friday, we get to sit down with the one and only Tanya Tucker. And we have no idea what she's going to say. (laughs) Or what she's going to be wearing. I'm like, I can't wait to see what she's going to wear. It's going to be amazing and a little scary. (laughs) And then Saturday, we get to hang out with my big brothers, Brothers Osborne. I love those guys so much. All the episodes will then be airing through the month of June. So like we always say, make sure you're following the podcast on your favorite listening app so that you don't miss an episode. That's exactly right. Of course, CMA Fest is known for the big stadium concerts that happen at Nissan Stadium. And the lineup is star-packed. I got to say, every night looks amazing. But if I had to pick a favorite, I think Saturday night's lineup is going to be the best one. Are you saying that because we're the onstage hosts? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe it's because it's Eric Church who is the headliner, and he was our very first podcast guest. So I feel like it brings everything full circle. It really does. Okay, everyone coming to Saturday night's concert, make sure you get there early. Make sure you're screaming loud. It's kind of nerve-wracking to be up there in front of all those people. <laughs> We need our cheerleaders oh, big please. time. Yes, come out. We love to hear you. <laughs> Scream loud for us. I think we are also going to have to check out Friday's show because I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or if he was supposed to tell us this, but Cody Johnson spilled the tea on a special treat planned for his performance. Got a performance. Can't talk about it, but it's a cool surprise and it's going to blow everybody's mind. We have a small set at CMA Fest and uh, for the finale for the last song, I have a very special guest coming up to sing. And it's not Carrie. (laughs) So his comment about it not being Carrie relates to him having a duet with Carrie on his next album. So who do you think it is? I don't know. I mean, just pure speculation. I think it might be somebody that's a fellow Texan, but maybe a little bit old school. So think Pat Green or maybe Leanne Womack coming up there. That's a good guess. Those would be great. Also creates a huge list of possibilities. Yes, it does. Doesn't (laughs) narrow it. Watch it end up being somebody like John Bon Jovi or somebody like totally unexpected. Could you imagine (laughs) what that would be like? (laughs) Holy cow. I mean... Now that you say that out loud, like, now I want to see that. But me too. Let's speak it into existence, please. <laughs> so speaking of things we need to add to our agenda, Dustin Lynch's pool situation sounds like it's a lot of fun. Agreed. Now, Dustin has done pool parties before. Most famously, he's always at Luke Bryan's Crash My Playa. He's also done pool parties in Las Vegas. However, I think we might be too late to get in on this one this year. We've been doing pool situations for a while, but this is the first time. This is one of those duh moments. I can't believe I didn't think of this till now. We should do one at CMA Fest. So we're, we're throwing it at, at Margaritaville. Um, limited amount of spots. So what we ended up doing is, is a lottery type of um, ticket goes. So everybody entered a lottery and randomly got picked. 
you can come with a plus one. So um, it's going to be a, a day full of fun, an afternoon of fun with with a lot of great friends. I'm going to be some, some buddy artists of mine out, some guest artists. And any Pool Situation is a very interactive show. So it's going to be one of those ones you definitely don't want to drive to because you're going to need to walk home. Well, we're just going to have to take a note from Luke Bryan and crash his pool situation. <laughs> yes, we'll have to just crash it. Okay, so we always have so many amazing stories from artists who get to interact with their fans at CMA Fest, but I think some of my favorites are when the artists were actually fans themselves at previous CMA Fests. Yes, like Kelsey Ballerini told us at last year's podcast taping. I remember I camped out on the floor for, so when the doors opened, I could get in line quick because I had people I needed to meet. I, I waited in line to meet Taylor and um, and Lady A. I have photos with, um, yeah. So I just and I just remember I was so starry eyed, you know, and just having the access to everything and, and being in Nashville and celebrating country music. It was just magical. And so both sides of it has it's just been it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. It's definitely one of my favorite weeks of the year as well, especially this year. It's extra special because it is the 50th anniversary of CMA Music Fest. Originally, it was called Fanfare. And in addition to all of the Country Heat Weekly things that we have going on, which is a lot, I also get a chance to host the live stream for the Concert for Love and Acceptance on Wednesday night. Oh, that's going to be so fun. That's Ty Herndon's annual event, correct? Well, it looks like a great lineup for that this year. Let's see. I've seen Chrissy Metz, Brooke Eden, Maddie and Tay. Who else? Okay, so listen to this. Pam Tillis, Terry Clark, Billy Gilman. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today whom I haven't seen in forever, and I'm so excited to hug him. Wendy Moten, Powerhouse, is going to be there. It is a stacked lineup, let me just say, and it all benefits the Tennessee Equality Project and the Black Opry. Uh, love that so much. Can't wait to experience it all and bring it all back here to you guys on the podcast. But I think I hear someone in the, in the hall outside the studio, which probably means Brandy Clark is here. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with Brandy Clark here in the studio. 
we have a treat for y'all today. Now, sure, we've had Grammy nominees Mm -hmm. on the show before, but I do believe this is the first time we have a Tony nominee on Country Heat Weekly. Everyone, say hello to Brandi Clark. Yay! We're so glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. Okay, you have a thousand things going on right now, but... We are both obsessed with Shucked the Musical. So we have to start there. Okay, let's start there. (laughs) We're starting there. Um, Let's talk about something that you made that first off made it to Broadway and now is nominated for nine Tony Awards. It's pretty surreal. It's crazy, (laughs) right? It is. You know, Shane McAnally and I, who I know you guys both know and love, uh, we've been working on this for over 10 years. And um, it started out, they wanted to musicalize Hee Haw. And so we started on that, and then um, it became Moonshine, that Hee Haw musical. We opened it in Dallas, I think 2015, 2016. I think it was 2015. We got mixed reviews, kind of thought it was over. And then our book writer, Robert Horn, won a Tony for Tootsie. He wrote the book for Tootsie, which for those of you that don't know what the book is, it's anything spoken in a musical. And so he had a lot of interest then coming at him, people that wanted to get on board and produce something he wanted to do. And he said, well, I've got this show with Shane and Brandy. And so we started over, really. We didn't know we were going to start over, but we kind of started over. And there are some things from that original production, but it's mostly new, especially on mine and Shane's side. It's an almost entirely new score. I think getting to Broadway is harder than getting a Tony nomination once you're on Broadway. Really? Yeah, because there are just so there's just so few theaters. Mm-hmm. It's still a feat to get Tony nominations. I don't want to take anything away from that. But the harder part of this was just getting the theater. As recently as... September, we didn't have a theater. I remember oh, that. Yes, because we were supposed yeah. to have a theater. Yeah. They pulled out on us for a show that was, I don't know what the show was, but, you know, a, a more proven title. Because so many Broadway shows now were once movies. You know, right. Almost Famous opened right before us. Um, We've got Back to the Future that's opening yes, very soon. Yes. yes. Yeah. Some, even some like It Hot. It's yeah. a new musical, but it was a movie. Sure. And so to get a theater owner to believe in a completely new project is tough. So, I mean, both things are feet, but just getting to Broadway was the biggest feat. I feel like I've had a front row seat to to all of the things and working with Shane day in and day out and seeing all of the little things, to your point, to get you to that point. And like these different cities where you're workshopping and then you're going back in for casting and Mm -hmm. doing all of these different layers. Plus, you guys have careers of your own. Yeah. (laughs) You know, on top of everything. Do you guys know Sarah Rodman? She's a highbrow journalist. She said to me, I can't believe you've made a record while you've been doing this. Mm -hmm. And I said, Sarah, I've made three records. Well, I've been doing this. Like, that's how long (laughs) it took. You know, I I didn't really think about that until she said that. Was there one moment where you looked at each other and you knew this is going to be on Broadway? Like, when you got that phone call, were you all together? How did that all finally solidify? Like, we've got the Nederlander. We're actually going to Broadway. It was a phone call from our lead producer, Mike Bosner. And he told us that we were going to Broadway. But honestly... The moment to me, and I would guess that Robert and Shane feel similarly. I haven't asked them, but I would bet money that it felt like this is really happening was the first preview. He said that. He did? Yes. There never has been, nor do do I think there ever will be a more magical moment for me. I cried for probably 24 hours because 
you're it's Broadway or musical theater is unlike anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a big team. And so you've got people weighing in that aren't necessarily in your lane. Our director, Jack O'Brien, who we all have so much respect and love for, he said to me, now we're going to have a few rough previews. Because previews is where you make changes. Yeah. Yeah. When that first preview audience came in and were on their feet, it was like, I didn't expect that. I, I really didn't. And then when the second one came in and they were like that, and the guy at the box office said to me, I've worked here 30 years. I've never seen word of mouth like this. Like, he goes, you guys were selling no tickets. And then you had that first preview. And overnight, you're selling tickets. There's a line out the door. It's just from top to bottom, such a masterpiece. Like, it really oh, is. And I I know that I'm probably very biased, but... I also know that just as a person who loves theater, it is, it's incredible. And one of the things that I love so much is your relationship with Shane. Mm-hmm. And I know how far back you guys go and how your friendship has just gotten stronger over the years, especially through this experience. You got your first number one song as a songwriter yes. with Shane. You know, we just, we're similar in age. Um, We're from completely different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. He's from Texas, and I'm from Washington. Um, But other than that, other than that difference, we have so much in common and enough different to work well together and to be great friends. And, I mean, he's just, like, top five people for me. I mean, I I can start crying if I talk about it. (laughs) Um, But he really— He would love that. (laughs) Yeah, no. He really really is. So— When you guys are in this creative process writing a full musical, what does that creative process look like writing a musical versus country songs? How do you shift the mindset? Uh, That's a great question. Well, I think two things are different. With a musical, anything, anything is up for grabs. You know, you don't have to worry about curse words or, you know, we have a song called Corn. Like, you know, how many ways can we rhyme corn? That's the, like, really great thing. The challenging thing, which I actually love, because my favorite songs, when I think about it, are three-minute stories that talk about a split second. And so with a musical, you're writing a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, with, with with a country song, you're telling a story, a whole story in three and a half minutes, maybe a whole life. Mm -hmm. With a musical... You've got two and a half hours to tell a story, and so you have to tell it in little bits, and you can't give up too much up up front that's yeah. going to come in the back. So here's a question. You know, in reverse, do you think that now working on Shocked all of these years has changed the way that you approach writing music for yourself? Yes, I think it has. It makes me fearless. Like, I used to be—when I had the opportunity to make 12 stories— right. People really didn't see me as an artist, you know, because I had been a songwriter. And so that record was a collection of songs that mostly didn't get recorded by other artists that I loved. Um, and I, at the time, I was working with artists who would—like, I was working a lot with Casey Musgraves right then, and she mm-hmm. was just writing for her record. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, that would be intimidating to me to be like, okay, I'm writing for my record, not like I'm just writing songs. Mm-hmm. Right. Having done Shucked, that that no longer intimidates me. Do you think it's because it pushed you so far creatively? Uh, like, 
to where you're like, I can do anything now. Like if you do yes. the hardest thing first. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. well yeah. if, if anybody's heard, anybody who hasn't heard Shucked, but when they go see Shucked, if you hear the, the Act 1 finale, after we did that, I think we could do anything. Yes. yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> like, I agree. Yeah. So I want to ask one more question before we move on to your new album. Uh-huh. Was it intimidating? Were you nervous? Or was it hard to be accepted into the Broadway community? You coming in as outsiders from country music, mm-hmm. were you intimidated by that? I was never intimidated. And it's probably because I wasn't on my own. Okay. Yeah. Because I had Shane and yeah. I had Robert. I definitely know that we got a lot of <laughs> country music musical. Right. You that's, know? that's exactly yes. what I was yeah. thinking. And I wondered if that was Yeah, we definitely did. Um I don't know that kind. I'm pretty good at just, especially when I'm on a team, at blocking that out and being like, "Underestimate us. That'll be fun." Like, <laughs> you know, like especially <laughs> that team. Yes. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. I really did. I, you know, and I also what I always believed, and I've said this for the last couple years. I I would say to people like family members that would come, I would say this is either going to be a massive hit. Or massive flop. It will not be in the middle. Okay. Now it's looking like it's a massive hit. Yeah. And somewhere in me, I always thought that, or I wouldn't have hung with it. But I knew, I knew it was polarizing. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably why that first preview felt so good, because as great as it had gone, I had a, a small voice that thought it could go that far the opposite. Mm. It's such a good show. Thank you. I'm so proud of it. Okay, so your new album. Mm-hmm. Your new album. It's your fourth album. Yes. It was produced by Brandy Carlisle. This is the first album she's ever solo produced, right? Yeah. And she was adamant that she solo produced oh, it. Really? I, she was. We've heard that you and Brandy got connected through a text message mix-up. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Yes. Okay, that's that's a great story. We did. So our mutual friend Tracy Gershon texted Brandy Carlisle, meaning to text me, and I can't, I don't know what the specific question was, but Tracy says, oh, I texted the wrong Brandy C. And Brandy said, how many gay Brandy C's can you have in your phone? And Tracy said, well, two. <laughs> Did she, but you guys knew each other or you didn't know we each other? We didn't know each other. Oh, even funny. better. Even better. Yes. That's good. So this is before we met. That's oh, hilarious. Yes. <laughs> But I didn't meet her until 2018, and I um, I got asked to do some shows with her. Okay. And so I went out on the road, and, and I instantly loved her. And then we would just see each other, like, backstage at Americana Awards, those kinds of things. Her and I were both involved with the Grammys, and so, like, you know, we'd go to dinner, you know, around those times. But it wasn't until the pandemic that I actually worked with her, and it was on two different two different projects. Um, The first being we went in and recorded two songs, Like Mine and Same Devil, that she produced. Same Devil was nominated for a Grammy. Also, that same Grammy cycle, we were both writers on A Beautiful Noise that her and Alicia Keys sang that was up for the song of the year at the Grammys. So we're at the Grammys, and Brandy and I are nominated for Same Devil, and it didn't win. She said I looked really dejected. I don't remember feeling super dejected, but okay. she leaned over to me and she was like, hey, buddy, I really want to produce a whole album on you. And I said, 
okay, you okay. know, like let's <laughs> let's talk about that. She said, you know, I really I think you've made really great records, and but she said I really think you need to make a bold move, and I feel like I'm it. Now that kind of confidence always is attractive to me, mm-hmm. and she's she's Brandy's a very generous collaborator. She said, I, I I think your name needs to be the same size as mine on festival posters, and I think I can help you do that. So I, I was in, and she said, let's just make the most raw record you can make. And so I started with, I sent her like probably about 24 songs. Mm-hmm. And so Brandy sent me back her choices, and... um I was like, oh, wow, some of them surprised me, you know. And uh, I said, so why did you choose these songs? And she said, well, I think they're all great songs. But I chose the, the you know, 10 or 12 songs that I felt like you wrote in your bedroom, <gasps> which was really—I learned a lot from working with Brandy. And that, that it was good to be reminded of that. Even her way of working was so foreign to me and, and uncomfortable, um, in a lot of ways, like she, um, you know, I'm used to like if the down, if it's 10 o'clock, the session time, the down beats at 10. Yeah. You know, this was like people are showing up at 10 and they're listening to music to get in the headspace. And that that was different for me. And then, you know, there's not a click track on the album. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's like a little metronome in the drummer's ear that keeps everything in time. And but she was like, listen, this needs to feel raw and real and live, and so everything was live. The vocals are live. Wow. Um, it was all we were all in the same room. Um, so <laughs> it was very performing different. without a net. Performing with you're right. Performing without a net. In fact, there's one vocal um, on a song called "Buried," and I had gotten some bad news. It wasn't anything terrible, but it was enough to make me cry. And I came back in the studio, and she's like, L- you know, let's do this vocal. And, and I said, um, oh, man, I just, you know, can I have a minute? She's <laughs> yeah. like, we won't keep it, you know. And we, then, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, she knew serious. what she was doing. Yeah. And she then, knew. She totally did. And then she says to Brandon Bell, the engineer, um, who's a real unsung, unsung hero on this rare. All engineers are unsung heroes. Right. Um, she's like, get Brandy's mic as hot as it can. She's like, I want you to almost whisper sing this. And it was amazing how doing that changed the way everybody played. Mm. And it was still a really hard vocal for me to hear. But then when people, other people started hearing it and they were like, oh, don't re-sing that. Like, leave it. Like, leave it how it is. <laughs> You're like, ah, that's so vulnerable. Right? Yeah. It's so like, yeah. <laughs> that's putting out a headshot without a retouch, man. That that's is, a lot. That's is, a lot. It is <laughs> a headshot without a retouch and not makeup on. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, oh. it's been 10 years since you put out 12 stories. Why is it now that you decided to do your album with a self-title? It's been 10 years. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a great question. So the way it started with this album was when Brandy approached me that day at the Grammys, she said, I've already thought it through. Like, I see this as your return to the Northwest. That was intriguing to me, and I was talking to my friend and collaborator, Jesse Jo Dillon, and she was asking me, well, why do you want to work with Brandy? And I said, well, she said something that was really intriguing. She said she sees this as my return to the Northwest. And Jesse said, wow, we should go up there and we should write a song called Northwest. 
And so we did. And so then I had it in my head that the record was going to be titled Northwest. And when I would say that to people, they would say, well, you know, that's Kim and Kanye's oldest child, right? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot all about that. So did I. And so, um, which my Northwest is one word. I mean, that's two Uh words. uh But um, I, so I thought, okay, well, it's not going to be called Northwest. Right. And then, you know, it really, I think it was someone at the label, honestly, that said, man, you know, if there was ever a a time to self-title an album, this would be it. Like, it feels so you in so many ways, and it's really raw. And I said, okay. Like, you know, there's... There's nothing else I really want to title it now that you've taken away Northwest from me. <laughs> right. Um, but, but no, that's how it happened. This episode's going to air during Pride Month. Okay. Um, and oh, the very know, first day of Pride. Yeah. So kicking it off. Yeah, yeah, we're kicking it off. So if you don't mind sharing, we'd love for you to talk to us just about your experience just here in Nashville. What, what has that journey been like for you? Well, you know, I think a lot of people look at me and think I've had an easy coming out experience. I don't know that anyone does. Mm. I mean, I had an easy experience in that I have a very accepting mom. My dad had passed away before I came out, which he would have been incredibly accepting. I mean, he put me in pump, pass, and kick when I was a little kid. So, (laughs) you know, maybe he knew something I didn't. Um, But it definitely didn't fit you know, the picture I saw from my life. And I think one really big turning point for me was I was in therapy before I like came out. And my therapist said, well, what do you want? And I said, well, I want what my brother has. And she said, what's that? And I said, well, like, he's got like his wedding picture on the wall. And she said, well, if you, if that's what you want, I'm the wrong therapist for you. What I can help you do is take that picture that's in your heart and be able to hang it on your wall. And that was a real big turning point. Because, (laughs) yeah, it really, like, flipped a switch in me. And I just got more comfortable with myself. And, you know, then I would meet people like Shane as a great example. You know, when I met Shane, he was this out-of-the-closet gay man. I think it's one thing to be, in that time, to be an out-of-the-closet gay woman mm-hmm. on Music Row. I, I, didn't, I thought it would take me out of having an artist career. Really? So once I came out, I was like, okay, that's not going to happen. But then when I met Shane, and he was just, this is who I am, it did give me a, another, another level of acceptance and, okay, you know, maybe part of my purpose here is to be a little more forward-facing with this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I have noticed, like, one thing that made me feel really, really good was there was an artist that came out um, a couple years ago, and I I reached out to her because I knew her briefly from, you know, shows and stuff, and I just said, I'm so happy for you, you know? And she said, well, you being you has made it easier for me to be me. Wow. And so that, those kinds of things, you know? Yeah. Casey Musgraves recorded Follow Your Arrow, mm-hmm. which you co-wrote. Obviously huge for your career. I still remember the night when it won at CMA Awards. Yes. And I remember everybody jumping up and down and you both walking. I, I think you were there. Were you yeah. there with Shane? And yes. you both came backstage because uh-huh. I was backstage. Yes. And I hugged you both and I thought, <laughs> this is incredible. We know it did huge things for your career, but what did it do for your heart? 
I mean, probably bigger things for my heart. And I didn't even, you know, I'm so sometimes behind things. Like, I'm still feeling the impact of that song. Like, at the time, it was just a song we wrote. But when I see what it means to other people, that, that's when it really hits me. How would you say that you've seen acceptance in the Nashville community change? Well, you know, where I see acceptance is always when things become less of a big deal. You know, um, I remember it felt like it used to be a big deal to be gay. It doesn't feel like that so much anymore. I used to think it would keep me out of places and, and you know, maybe it, maybe it does, but I just don't really want to go to those places anyway. There you go. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think it matters less and less. Mm. Yeah. And then as far as our industry and here in Nashville, how do you think we can do better? What are the opportunities that you see? You know, I mean, I think it would be great if there were an openly gay artist on country radio. That's still a barrier that really hasn't been been broken. And I don't know that it's I don't know that it's necessarily bigotry. It just hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. I, I think especially a gay male country artist. Once that happens, then there, it'll that I, I, that's something I can't imagine happening even still. So once that happens, the, all the barriers will be down. The thing I would say though is, I've always said this, and I believe it. Those who matter don't mind, and those who mind don't matter. I really, really believe that, and. I think, you know, you can get hung up on, well, if somebody knew, if my fans knew I was gay, they wouldn't still like me. Well, maybe they're not really your fans. Yeah. You know? Well, Merle Haggard, he went to prison. Didn't keep me from being his fan. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? And I heard George Michael say one time, uh, I think he was on Oprah, and Oprah asked him, you know, are you worried about people not liking your music now that you've come out of the closet? And he said... I'm not in the business of making music for bigots. And I've always kind of felt that way, too. (laughs) That's a statement. (laughs) I think if you're in the closet and struggling to come out, man, you know, I think you'll feel free. But the truth is, just be you. Yeah. You know, I, I really, I really believe that. What was it? Be you because everybody else is already taken. Yeah, that's right. That's it. I think it was Dolly that said that. Probably. I mean, I know she said something like that. (laughs) We will attribute all good things to all good things. (laughs) The self-titled album is out right now. 11 tracks. We love them all. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Thank you, guys. Fingers crossed. Mm. For all the Tony wins. Yes. All of the Tony wins. Let's light the Dolly candle. Let's do all the things. <laughs> I don't have a lighter, but she's here in the middle and she's feeling our vibes. Uh, all the Tony wins, all the good vibes. The Tonys are handed out a week from Sunday. That's June 11th, live on CBS. Yes. Go, Shucked, go. Okay, so what does Shane have to do to prepare for this? Because it's different than being nominated for like an ACM award or a CMA award. I guess more like the Grammys because it's more than just the country music family. Yeah, it is different from what I've seen. Yeah. Um, lots of luncheons, lots of events they've had to attend where Tony voters are in attendance. It's almost like campaigning a little bit. It's a little bit more like boots on the ground. Seems like person to person, more personable experience. Okay. So it's been fun to kind of watch how that process goes as opposed to a country award show. 
Okay, if you are coming to town for CMA Fest, please come by and see us. We would love to meet you guys in person. We are going to be at the CMA close-up stage Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday morning. And then Saturday night, you'll find us at Nissan Stadium. We'll be hosting the big stage. Yes, we will. I still can't believe we get to do that. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Our team will be all over CMA Fest. We are getting all the stories, and we are going to bring them back to you in the form of a brand new podcast that drops on June 15th. That will feature Jelly Roll. Well, we've chatted with him several times. I feel like recently we've seen him a lot, which we love because we love him. But just for short conversations, I'm excited to like really dig into his story, this crazy ride he's been on, just his life in general. But this ride that he's been on in country music as of late. He's having amazing. a moment. He is amazing. He is totally having a moment. Of course, for all the behind-the-scenes content from CMA Fest, make sure that you're following along on Instagram. That's the easiest way to find me. I'm at the Kelly Sutton. And I'm Hey, it's Amber A. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Country Heat Weekly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at listenerstudy.com. I have missed these Friday night dinners. Mm. Hey, welcome to Harvey Graw! At these family dinners... Delicious, everyone! Dysfunction is served. <laughs> I can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we embarrass you? It's already better than I dared to dream. They're extra. Let the wild rumpus start! And they're embarrassing. We know how hard it is to move on from the first girl that you ever slept with. Not the first girl who I ever slept with. Yeah, 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 right. You're a regular lady killer. I thought you said it was going to be boring here tonight. No! I really hoped it would be. But they couldn't love each other more. Mom and Dad being totally normal. So, dinner next Friday, everyone? Wouldn't miss for the world. Dinner with the Parents, Season 1. Stream free, only on Freebie.